love you. Welcome back, Couch Potatoes, to a very exciting episode. Uh, Karma served me a, a good one today because I have a very bad headache, but we're going to get through this. So if I seem uh, dead, dry, sleepy, or at all just not interested, that's why. It's because I have a headache. And it's uh, definitely not because here. of this show. It's definitely not because of this show because we all know... If you've seen oh, it, no. if you've seen it, I, I've only heard people say good things that I've talked to. Right. Yeah. Well, did, uh, I don't know if you said that you were the green traveler, so I'm sorry if I stole it from you, but I'm the faceless Leon, and this is a podcast about movies and TV called Green and Faceless on the Couch. And today we're talking The Sandman. Neil Gaiman. We are indeed. I, yeah, I hadn't. I am the green traveler from Gorsh. I had not said that yet. Oh, I stole it. Uh, I'm sorry. No, you're okay. You're totally okay. <laughs> See, I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm not on. I'm not on my game, and it makes me really sad because I'm very. The Sandman's one of my uh, like. So picture me, young green traveler, way back in college days. Mm-hmm. Just started going to college. It's like 2011, late 2011. I get to college. You know, I'm a little dis- You know, a little lonely, a little depressed. I miss my family. Uh, they raised me good from a young little green alien to a nice plump human being. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I was missing, I was missing stuff. I was feeling sad and I go to Barnes and Noble. That's one of my, my comfort zones or it was for a very long time. Same. I haven't been there in a long time, actually. It's, I definitely it's been bought years. a lot less from there than you did, but I definitely got comfort out of that place. <laughs> the, uh, especially yeah. junior high, early ice high school, I'd be in the, the yeah. fantasy section just looking at the cover art. And and buried oh, in the yeah. back. It's fascinating shit yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Just wishing I. Could I love buy a good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love going to like the horror section and just looking at all the weird horror books and all yeah. the, you know, that fantasy. I I probably only would have looked at fantasy for the covers. Like I love fantasy, but it takes me a lot to get into it. Right. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a horror fan. That's who I am. And well, this yeah, if you don't know, I have a both. library. The Sandman. Right? It's nice. Yeah. 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 And, and if you don't know, I do have a library of about 1,500 books now. He, he so does. Like, I can attest. It's it's crazy. And uh, yeah, Lonely lonely Green Traveler sitting in the Barnes & Noble, freshman year, probably like, you know, close to my favorite time of year mm-hmm. also. October is my favorite month of the year. If you've watched this show, you know that. I get excited when Halloween comes around. And I think it was about September, though. I was like, uh, you know, fall was just starting to roll in. I'm walking in Martin's Noble. I'm like, all right, I'm going to find something to read here. And at this point in my life, I hadn't read a lot of comic books, like any, pretty mm-hmm. much, because they cost a lot, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, I didn't make a lot of money. I mean, I was working since I was like, I don't know, 14, 12 to, 12 to 14. I worked on a right. few farms, odd jobs on farms. Right. And then, I and then my, I think when I was fourteen, I was working at Pizza Hut. <laughs> my folks kind of put a stigma on comic books as well, uh, whereas it'd be yeah. something that I would ask for because they liked my mom especially liked to spoil me, and but for some reason she was like, I think that they are a waste of money and that they make clutter, uh, and right. that you know you're only going to read it once or. Or twice, maybe. Uh, she's, I mean, she's yeah. dead wrong. That's what a lot of, of people course. feel like. But I had, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once I had 
a semblance of my own money, like an allowance or whatever. And I did do like I worked. My dad ran his own business and I helped him with that. Uh, but right. I, I just didn't go and buy them because they, they put that stigma on it. And I feel like that's a shame because it's, it's my favorite outlet. One of my favorite outlets for culture anyways. Right. I always just looked at them as being too expensive. Like they were just outside of my range. Cause you know, when I yeah. was young, I was just saving money for college basically. Right. And when I got to college, I, you know, there was a brief, just that first month, you know, it was, it was that first like August or so I was like, I can't get into comics, even though I have money and I'm by myself now. And, you know, nobody's going to tell me no, even though my parents would never have said no if we were buying comics. But like, right. it was just, it was just that matter of it's like, this is something I can do now. I'm an adult. I can spend my money on comics if I want to, you know, but when I was looking at it, there's so many. Yeah. You know, I can't figure out anywhere to choose from because there's just way too fucking many. Uh, but I had read this book. Uh, I got to make sure the date on this one real fast. Hold on a second. Because mm-hmm. I think I read American Gods first. Uh, that sounds first. right from the way I recall it. Because yeah. we were living together at the time. Yeah. Well, not in freshman year. Not freshman year. Oh, but we were hanging out um, constantly. We practically yeah, lived we were together. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, I was I was in your room every single day, basically. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I had read I had read American Gods. I looked it up. It did American Gods came out in two thousand one. So yeah, I definitely had read this first. And it was a fascinating idea. Neil Gaiman immediately with American Gods became one of my favorite authors. The way he describes like the way he looks at religion at faith pretty much is that gods are real. They walk the earth, but they only have power if people believe in them. Yeah. So it's like there's a lot of gods who are dead because nobody believes in them anymore. There's a lot of gods and American gods who are just kind of like they're not dead. They have a little bit of power, but they're kind of just like poor, homeless, living on the street kind of thing. And then you have, you know, a thousand different versions of Jesus Christ because everybody has a different version of Jesus that they believe in. <laughs> like, you know, I, it's, I it's love fascinating. That. It was a I've really, never read really it. cool idea. <laughs> It, it's hilarious. They go to a party and there's like 15 different Jesuses there. Oh my god! And, you know, there's there's black Jesus. Great. There's the there's the white Christian Jesus. There's the southern white Jesus. Man, it sounds like a Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> it's fabulous, man. It, it's just it's just genius. Neil Gaiman is a very smart, intelligent author. I love the man. He worked on Doctor Who for many episodes, yes. and you know. I'm on record as having said, if anybody, you know, it, it, once Russell T. Davies decides to hang up his cap again, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, well, let's look for a showrunner. Maybe Neil Gaiman Hello, might be interested Neil. because I would love to see that. <laughs> that would be awesome. But like, yeah, he's one of my favorites. Like, and then, so I'm, I'm in, I'm in Barnes and Noble, not a sponsor. I'm looking around <laughs> and I see in the comic book section, cause I was going there specifically to buy comics. I was going to buy a Batman comic. I think I thought, I think that was my first, like, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy a Batman because that I love Batman. Yeah. Who doesn't? But when well, I'm in the comic book section, I actually know people who don't, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of people who don't, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in the, I'm in the comic book section and I see Neil Gaiman's name. And I see that there's like 12 volumes called The Sandman. And I'm just like, yeah, this seems interesting. You know, I read the first uh, the first issue. I sat down in a chair and read it. And I was like, oh, this seems so exciting. I'm going to, yeah, I'm definitely going to read it. And so I picked it up, bought like the first two volumes or whatever. Within a month, I had all of them because it was just 
fucking phenomenal. It's really it was good. it was like the first story that I mean there have been a lot of novels that I've been like engrossed in, but this was the first one that I was just like attached to. That I was just I loved it so much. I've read it now. I think this I I just read it again before the show came out, and I think that was probably the sixth or seventh time I've read it in a decade. Like it's it's almost a you know a year every other year kind of thing for me because I fucking love it. It's just it's brilliant writing, brilliant story. Literally every time I get to the end, I'm crying. Like once you get to that final, the not even the final volume, probably like volume ten is when I'm just like volunteers. Yeah, I like, think I it's great. Like there was a point where you're almost tempted to put it down uh, at the end, right? Um, but that last chapter or two is worth it yeah i mean because it's like volume 10 is where the story kind of ends and then volume 11 is like a look at all the characters volume 12 is like wrapping up all the loose ends like there's there's still stuff that happens but yeah yeah, the, the the overall story what gets to me the most is is i think around volume 10 i think and it's just right yeah i I was just i was over the moon when i heard that netflix was gonna make a tv show on it and I was like, hope you know, I I didn't have much hopes. I was like, it it's probably not gonna live up to all my expectations. There's no way it can match the book. So I was like, I was keeping it real. I was trying my best. But then I heard that Neil Gaiman was involved, and it had a lot of say, saying power in a lot of it, oh, and that God. made me even more excited for its outcome. Because that's the problem is when 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 producers adapt stuff, you know, when when a when a director or a screenwriter or the producer reads a book and is like, I want to make this movie, make this into a movie or a TV show. What's often lost is the the symbolism, the metaphor, the allegories, like the meaning of the story. The message is typically lost. Like that's why Stephen King hates The Shining. It lost all of that beauty of his story. Yeah. You know, it just became a, a full fledged horror. And he was like, whatever, you know, you lost the whole story just trying to focus on this thing. And a lot of a lot of shows have that issue. Like uh, I think David S. Goyer, yeah, David S. Goyer was part of this. And David S. Goyer, he's worked on a lot of things, including Watchmen. I, I gotta I gotta make sure on that before I say that because I'm pretty sure he the worked on television Watchmen. or the the movie. The television, the HBO. I show? thought the movie, but I'm not seeing. Yeah, I thought it was the the movie, but it doesn't look like he's actually listed on there. So I'm wrong. There we go. But he has worked on a lot of other stuff. Um, he worked with the uh, Christopher Nolan on the Batman trilogy. Okay. And the Blade Blade trilogy who worked on. So it's like he's done a lot of comic book stuff. But um, the, like the, the people who I know Zack Snyder did the Watchmen. I thought there was somebody else involved with him right. who adapted it more. But like if, if you've ever read anything about the Watchmen, Alan Moore the writer hates that they made a movie out of it. He didn't want that. That's not the purpose of the story. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want it. And I mean, that's how all of his product are. V for Vendetta. Uh, even though I love Watchmen and V for Vendetta mm-hmm. as films, having read the books, I can attest as to the adapt- adaptation being absolute ass because they lost a lot of the heart and feel of the story. Sure. It became just a strict, like, we got to entertain the visual audience. Like, you know, it's like, we got to tell a fun, entertaining action story. And they fucking succeeded, in my opinion. You know, the... the uh, I agree um, uh, specifically with V for Vendetta. I personally, like, from my recollection, it's been a while since I read the, watched the movie. 
but I read the comic more recently, and I I think I like the movie more. Um, I do. There's interesting. There is some good stuff in that book. I'd have to re rewatch it, obviously, and I watched right. it first, so my bias is the opposite way uh, of yeah. chronological order. And <clears throat> actually, I I I read the book after too. Um, I you know I watched the Wachowski movie. And I loved it. And I still love it. I still think it's a good movie. But once I read the book, I was just like, oh, this is why Alan Moore hates that movie. Because it's like, I don't even think he's ever seen the movie. But it's just like, yeah, it, it definitely lost a lot of a lot of his uh, emotion in that story. Mm, yeah. And just kind of like became an action set piece. I, I Like I said, it's been years since I watched that movie. It's a, it's a pretty damn old movie. But... The Watchmen, I have seen a few more times and more recently, and uh, read, and I can attest that that book is it. It, it does lose a lot um, from that one. It's, I'll agree with that. right, and, and and that was my worry coming into the Sandman. Though is I was worried right. that even with Neil Gaiman involved, they would lose because the, they would lose a lot of the heart, and because of that, like um, a lot of the hearts found. And these small one-off stories, mm-hmm. because Sandman is a you know it's again it's twelve volume it's like I don't know a hundred issues like probably not that much but it's it's big it's a beefy boy mm-hmm. Th- there is a you know a connecting story a story going throughout the whole thing you know like volume one uh, leads to volume ten and you can yeah. match every single thing you know you can follow the plot beats. But there's also a lot of like flashback stories and right. one-off stories that don't like a, a matter to the overarching story Until. on first glance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when you reread it, when you reread it like I, like six times, like I have, you pick up all of those stepping stones in the one-off stories. You know, you you find all these characters who are super important for the latter right. half of the the story. It, and it's just like mind blowing. It is how he set really mind blowing how he pulls all the strings together. Uh, but how he managed to make those side stories make sense in the first place is that Dream is an eternal being. He is right forever, pretty much. Yeah, to, to establish that um, the the world of the Sandman continues off it like builds around the american gods world where um, he was right he wrote sandman first but american gods came after but it's just like they're they're all these gods are you know alive they're real they have power but there's something above all these gods there's something above all of the universe itself and that are that is the endless there are seven beings who are endless they control they guide they, you know, they have all these different, differing powers and, and like, you know, fingerprints on the, the universe itself, but they're just kind of behind the curtain, you know, not many, nobody right. worships them. I mean, well, people Some. do worship them, but yeah. like, they're, they're not like, yeah, they're not like crazy worship, like, you know, they're, Christianity and, and also and they're Islam like and that kind of typically stuff. worshipped in some sort of form that is within a pantheon. For example, right. uh, they call Dream Morpheus quite often in the story, right? Which is uh, the <laughs> the god of sleep in um, <clears throat> in the Greek pantheon. Uh, also, Oniris yeah, is, I believe, Morpheus' yeah, I say... father in the in the Greek pan- uh, 
but I, I could be wrong about that. Either that or yeah. Morpheus is a Olympian equivalent and Oniaris is a Titan equi- equivalent. I can't remember. I mean, let's just let's yeah, just check we it got out the because power yeah, of the Googs. <laughs> Oniaris, Greek. We're about to do Oniaris versus. That's a good idea. Uh, Morpheus, there we go. Uh, according to some, the leader of the Oniroi was Morpheus, a god who appeared in the Dream of Kings. Uh, that didn't answer my question at all. <laughs> I don't have the time for this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out some I'll other day. I'll decipher the code later. <laughs> Yeah, he, he has a lot of differing names, and, and he is the main character of the Sandman. You know, modern times, because people, he is you know, the they, they remember the Mr. Sandman song. The Sandman. And, yeah, yes. that's like a, yeah, and, and he's, he is, you know, he's the king of dreams. He, he presides over the dream world. When we dream, we go into his kingdom, and he has designed it. He has designed all these nightmares. He designed all these dreams, these like, you know, he, he t- he's a storyteller. That's another thing is like. Um, it's, it's linked a lot in the comics and in the show that writers specifically are part of dreams people because they are storytellers. And that's what he, he, not only is he the king of dreams, he's the king of stories because he makes stories. Yeah, we are his people. (laughs) And, And he is just one of the seven. He is the third oldest before him is destiny, uh, who is a blind man reading a book. You know, he walks about his garden reading the Book of Destiny. He knows, you know, he knows everything that's going to happen. He does not interfere. He just knows. He just is Destiny. Mm-hmm. After him is Death. Death is the second oldest. And she is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She was my favorite character for a while until I met Delirium, who is the youngest. And then Delirium became my favorite character because I fucking love Delirium. She's awesome, yeah. But after, yeah, after Dream is actually a, a character that made so much sense to me because again i'm just going to college Mm -hmm. i just started reading these books i'm getting super fascinated with them but one thing when i when i was growing up the only thing i knew was being a man right that's all i knew was that i was a male you know that's that's i didn't i didn't have a lot of lgbt uh ties in high school there were you know i knew a lot of people but like i didn't hang out with a lot of people you know i didn't i wasn't schooled i wasn't knowledgeed on a lot of stuff. And so when I met Desire, the fourth oldest, it was like opening up a whole fucking world to me. Because Desire is an androgynous, non-binary, bisexual individual mm-hmm. who reminded me a lot of Catwoman in her in their looks. And Duran yeah. Duran. I, I learned so much. Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> It just it, it it helped shape me a lot because now I you know now I am open I am non-binary I am bisexual you know I I understand more about you know why I was feeling depressed as a kid right why a lot of that kind of that gender dysphoria identity dysphoria in, in general uh you know it was all there and I just didn't know how to I didn't understand it I didn't know how to look into it I didn't know how to ex- you know explain it to anything to anybody or to myself even but then when I met Desire. I was just like, what the heck? I don't understand this character. This is completely new to me. I knew about it, but at the same time, like reading about it was just a whole new experience. It was very enlightening and like 
mind opening. And I was like, I loved Desire. So that was one thing I was very excited coming into the show was I was like, I hope they cast a very good Desire. We'll talk about them. And I will say up front, they are perfect. I love Mason Alexander Park as Desire. Phenomenal. I wish there was just a touch more, but you know, we'll get more. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to grow. They're going to have way more coming in because they they ha- they did a good job of setting up all the stepping stones, too, in this first season, I'll say. Yeah. And it's nice. To to quickly wrap up the rest of the end list, I think I said that Desire was the fourth oldest. I think I was wrong. I think Destruction is um, older. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And Destruction is the prodigal son. He is gone. He gave up his duties at the beginning of the, the right. books, at the beginning of the show. We know, like, I mean, they don't show that, but at the the onset, yeah. 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 At the onset, he's gone. The Endless don't know where the brother is. He has disappeared from them. He's been gone for centuries. He's left his realm. Yeah. He just, he got tired of it. He got tired of being destruction, damn it. And the last one is Despair. Uh, Despair is the second youngest. Um Despair has changed in the books. We haven't talked, they haven't talked about that much in the show, but in the books, uh, they used to be a completely different person. Yeah. Despair was. And then that person died and that the entity of the endless was reincarnated basically into the despair that the books in the show know. Right. Uh, it's kind of like Doctor Who. It's the same person, but it's a different person. Right. You know, it's like they have all the same memories. They are the same identity. They do the same stuff, but they have a new personality, right? A new new way of being, and despair While also is also being very similar, which isn't necessarily right. a Doctor Who trait, but typically happens. Right? It's it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah typically, <laughs> typically they are. <laughs> but then the writers occasionally come along and fuck that up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at you, Chris Chibnall. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I can't wait for Russell T. Davies to be back. I'm honest. I'm so excited. <laughs> D- uh, Despair in the books, she uh, she was presented as short, kind of like a horror-esque, you know, like very creepy looking. They're, they're heavy set. Uh, Always new. Constantly. They have like, got like this gross, wiry black hair. Keep it up in a, in a top knot or a bun. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, definitely. Like she's constantly cutting herself. Yeah. Yeah, she's always cutting. Yeah, she has a fish hook, and she's just, like, dragging that through her skin. And it's really just, like, eerie and off-putting. Yeah. And Desire is just constantly hanging out with her. (laughs) Yeah, and and they call each other Desire loves her. Which I think the probably the uh, original Despair and Desire were conceived at the same time. I think that's why he still called... Excuse me. They still call um, uh, Despair twin sister and there's there, there's so much thought put into the analyst like neil gaiman did so much fucking beautiful work for this because it's like you know when when life first happened they had a destiny immediately once you're brought into life you have a destiny the next thing death because eventually you will die right that's just how it is everything will die the third dream because once those first two things are established you you immediately start creating you start imagining you know, once you can see something, you can imagine something, and it's beautiful. And then, of course, you're going to destroy something. That's mm-hmm. destruction. You're going to have moments yeah. of, like, just absolute chaos. You're going to desire. You're going to despair. 
and you're going to have a bit of delirium. And I, I didn't mention delirium also used to be a different person. Delirium That's used right. to be the light. That's right. Um, but they, they did not die. They just went mad. Yeah. Del- <laughs> Delight just went crazy and she became delirium. So <laughs> there you go. There you have it. There's uh, that's the endless. Uh, only half of the endless show up <laughs> in this series. Yeah, yeah. But uh, before uh, we jump into what actually happens in the television series on Netflix, we're gonna take a soda prop break and be right back. Dun, dun, dun. I love you. One of the producers is named Samson Muck. (laughs) One of the cinematographers is called Will Baldy. (laughs) Will he Baldy? Maybe. I heard you making fun of those people's names. Oh, uh, yeah. Will, Will Baldy. Will Baldy. <laughs> well, I think we're back. Are we back? I think so. Okay. I think we are. We're back. Why don't you uh, take us into the show? Okay, I'll take us into this show. So, on Netflix. <laughs> so, The Sandman, starring Tom Sturridge. Not Robert Pattinson. Not Robert Pattinson. You know, he only looks like Robert Pattinson as this character, though. I, feel I know. Like. I looked up pictures of him. And I'm just uh, like, I okay. can see it. it. The black and white picture, though, that they have on IMDb does look like Rob Pat. But it's not Rob Pat. And he did a very good job. And his version of Robert Cullen. Is it Robert? It's not Robert. I don't know this show. <laughs> Edward. Edward. Edward Cullen. That's right. God damn, it wasn't even that long ago, Blake. (laughs) His version of Edward probably would have been a little bit better. I don't know. Just as moody. Just as moody, but maybe a little bit better. Because uh, I feel like Rob Pat had a very strong sense of, I fucking hate this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, secret. Review I mean, I think all of them did. <laughs> of Twilight, dude, that'd be a, that'd be a fun uh, fun playlist someday. Oh yeah. yes, we're gonna do it. Maybe soon. You'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe next uh, October because I think we'll probably finish off the franchise okay. this year. Most of we'll them. Let's do it for Halloween <laughs> season. It is about the perfect <laughs> amount of weeks. That's uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, four, four for four. Hopefully, you know, we'll th- we'll plan it out. Okay. We'll figure it. We'll think on it. We'll, we'll sleep on it. We'll let it. We'll let it marinate. Okay, so uh, Dream, <clears throat> he uh, gets captured, uh, and yeah, <gasps> by a human. This human. Oh my goodness! Is named uh, Burgess. But I'm trying to find it's it's the guy who plays Tywin Lannister, but I don't remember the actor's name. I'm a bad Uh, fan. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Charles Dance. Charles Dance? 
Charles Dance, like dance. The, the action dance. dance. Get up and dance. Get up and dance and move your tush. Put your Charles pants. So uh, he's not the <laughs> only crossover from um, Game of Thrones, by the way, for those fans out there. No, of course not. Um, so he uh, is a wizard. John Burgess is uh, a magus. A magus. Magus is the word. A magus. Yeah, that he wants to use. Magus. But really, he's a fucking amateur when you think of other DC characters. Uh, yeah. It, it, he well, ain't no also, shit. Also, I think Netflix made the move to make this separate from DC. Even though Warner right. Brothers is still a part of this. Weird ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's the problem with this with adapting the Sandman is it's attached to so many different products right. now. There's Lucifer, that's already a TV show. They already had a male guy cast as Lucifer. But this is the exact Wait. same Lucifer because that show is based It is? That show is based off of what happens to Lucifer in the in the story? I have no idea. Yeah. Lucifer the comics, Lucifer the comics that that the show is based off of spawned from spun Sandman. Of Sandman. I'm pretty sure. I could be entirely huh. wrong, but wow, they, they are the same character. Well, they have like like they yeah. have a bar. I haven't really watched this show, but I, I from the the previews or whatever, it seems like they own a club, which that's something Lucifer. Does. This is later in the books. It's not even in this season. <laughs> but that's really interesting i have a, I could a touch be, I could more be entirely wrong in watching too. that show now uh, i have not seen it <clears throat> right so like i said he gets captured and uh burgess was trying to capture death yeah he was which is as we talked earlier dream sister and she is yeah played by from the good plays Oh gosh! <laughs> Everybody's in a good place. Kirby Howell Baptiste. Baptiste. Thank you. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> I like for I the, the way that IMDb decided to do the cast list was really weird. Anyhow, uh, he did. <laughs> the Magus captured Dream and imprisons him for like a hundred years. Obviously that guy it was old and dies eventually and it is his yeah. uh son H- how many years exactly was it because it's different from in the comics because they use the same yeah, year it's that definitely he was different. captured they made it but they yeah. obviously the 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 books were published quite some time ago yeah the books were 90s and the thousands i believe yeah. and and yeah the the show went on to the 2020. Yeah, right. And like, it, uh, it, it, so it yeah, I can't remember exactly day. when he was captured. The majority of the story, rather, is set in modern day. Oh, here it is. 1916. He was captured in 1916 and held captive for 106 years. Wow. 106 years. But he gets out eventually. Yeah, he just sat in a little glass bubble for that yeah, long. he sure did. Uh, he gets out eventually, long story short, and has to find his uh, accoutrement which uh helps him yeah. uh control the dreaming uh one being his helm uh which is this weird alien thing and besides this story so far they haven't really used it in this show i don't know if i'm disappointed or not 
Right. <laughs> but uh, do, you, do you want some fun facts about the helmet? Yeah, thing? sure. Give us some quick fun facts. It's 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 made from the it's made from the skull of one of his enemies. That's right. Um, I don't remember. It, it was like an elephantine enemy, and the tusks of that enemy adorn his gate, the gateway to the dreaming right. his kingdom. That's right. Uh, yeah, if if you look at his gate, it's got two two tusks. You know uh, this. You know going this around. This has been it. so loyal so far that I would not be surprised that by the end of this series run, the audience will see that told. Right. So from there, he. Oh yes, the the other two things that he's searching for is his bag of sand, uh, which allows him to throw mm-hmm. like dreams at people, and his ruby, which. Uh, uh, can warp reality pretty much. It's basically an infinity stone. Pretty much, yeah. but he created these things with his own yeah. essence, so they hold his power and allow him to control uh, dreams and interact with people in the particular ways that he wants to more easily. Anyhow, these three objects get separated, uh, leading to three uh, short stories that complete this arc uh i can't quite remember the order that they were in but one involves uh jenna colson as joanna constantine <laughs> all right you gotta do the so- the doctor who sound effects Yep, yeah. <laughs> I can't do them both. At Jenna the same Louise time. Coleman. She was one of the Doctor's companions. She sure Actually, was. two of the Doctor's companions. She was Matt Smith yeah, and two Peter. Two of the Doctor's companion. Yep, that's hard to keep in your mm-hmm. head, right? Because it doesn't make any sense. So she <laughs> basically is John. She replaces John Constantine in, uh, who is an right. actual DC superhero, I guess. <laughs> and, and and that's who all of her part in the show is is John Constantine yes, in the books. Definitely. Uh, Joanna Constantine is a character that's in the right. books. They do they do and she also have plays a couple of her one offs. She also plays Lady Joanna Constantine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they made I I, Which I don't think they made, explained that. Well, I think they didn't want to pay for uh, John Constantine. They didn't want to bring that. What? what yeah, they, Ryan, they didn't the want to. Well, no, no, no. That that would have been pretty fun, actually. But I, I think I they didn't it. want to pay for the IP for one, or they just wanted to make this as separate from the DC, uh, the DCEU as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They'll probably end up bringing it in once the, once they're tired yes, of the DCU. Yeah. Once the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery is so makes was, all of his money off of the Zack Snyder versus So another camp. thing about the comics is that at first it starts off very firmly in the DC comic universe. And then it's they allow right. Gaiman to back off of that with the story and just let it be its own thing. And then they yeah. came back. Well, I think it got sold to Dark Horse. Oh, it got sold to Dark Horse. Okay, well, it's in the DC like, Dark, world. Again. I think I think Dark Horse was a. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a subsidiary. Yeah, I think Dark Horse. I, so. I think Dark Horse was a, a subsidiary yeah. of DC. So I think I think DC, like I think it was actually being published by DC for the first two volumes, 
And then they're just like, eh, let's dump that off onto our subsidiary. I don't that know if that's true. true at all. That's just the the. Or maybe yeah. he wanted more yeah, they, creative they disappear license from the world, and they were like, "Okay, well, yeah, go do it over with Dark Horse. So you can do whatever yeah. the fuck you want." Right. And DC has now brought Dream and all of them more into the folds of the yeah. He's cinematic, back. He's the back DC in comic the comic book universe. Yeah, yeah. Just very recently. It's weird. I'm yeah. not. I'm not like too. I, I kind of stopped reading DC after that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh Mainly because I couldn't afford it. This, uh, so, jo- excuse me, Joanna, uh, she leads him or helps him dis- getting with two of the items, if I recall correctly. So, the first one being the bag of sand, which uh, Joanna didn't know what it was, and but knew it was magical. And left it at a, an ex's apartment, and that ex started using it like drugs. It's a very sad episode, uh, and very yeah. sad issue, really. And it's a really early issue as well, so you like are immediately gut-punched yeah. with the feels of it with this book and this show. Yeah, this season deals with the first two volumes, yeah. so it's like issues 1 through 12 right. that all this happens That's in. Right. And uh, the, the second... Being the helm, he needs to go to hell. And if I recall correctly, Joanna helps him get there. I don't know, but at some point they part ways. Uh, if not, yeah, yeah, Joanna helps him. And the 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 helm was also stolen by the other tie-in, the right. the individual with the ruby. Also, uh, their mom, uh, their mom had. Uh, the, the individual with the ruby is John D, played by David Thewlis or, or Remus Lupin. Right. And uh, his mom, who was his mom? What was her name again? Uh, it, Something oof. D. Ethel D. Ethel? Is it Ethel? Ethel. Ethel D. Ethel yeah, D. Jolie, Jolie Richardson. I can't And yeah, Jolie that. Richardson sold the helm to a demon. That's right. <laughs> so she can get a protection amulet. That's right. Oh my god, that protection amulet was messed up, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, it was keeping her young, too, because she was there, and uh, she's introduced, I believe, in 1920-something. It is when uh, the son of John, the eldest son of John, rather, is a a young man, rather than a a child. And she marries... John Burgess and yada yada yada. Anyhow, she has uh, a son with John Burgess, John Burgess, and she <laughs> <laughs> she takes uh, jo- little Johnny away with the three items. She's the one who steals it, and uh, yeah. I don't remember how. I think she pawned the bag of sand or something, and and that's how jo- Joanna like yeah. Joanna got a hold of it. Uh, and then, like you said, she traded the helm for this protection amulet. And when she goes to visit her son, who w- was corrupted by the ruby because he used it on the world to get what he wanted, um, yeah, she tr- gives it to him to protect him from dream. And when she does that, she immediately ages the like, like fifty years that it had been holding back. Oh, and just like crazy. disintegrates yeah and if anybody if anybody tries to attack uh 
John D uh, again, That's David right. Thewlis, which is hilarious <clears throat> to me. And he did an amazing job too. He was one of the best actors in this whole series. Yeah, about the, yeah. This first Pro- season, uh, Professor Lupin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Professor Lupin. Well, trying to just help Harry Potter, but now he's gone mad and he's trying now to kill he's everybody. Trying to kill everybody. Yeah, well, he once he holds not the, werewolf. Once he holds that defense now. amulet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's not a werewolf, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> and once he once he holds that defense amulet, if anybody tries to harm him. Right. They just like internally ex- like yes. explode. Just, it is disgusting I love it, and so cool. Oh, like when it first yeah. happened. Yeah, the visual with, effects for with, that was great. Um, before they explained what the the amulet, when Ethel was attacked uh, or threatened, and yeah. it first happened, I'm like, what the fuck? What what can she do? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so it was great, man. I loved it. Yeah, he has to go to hell to he get the helm. He has to go to hell to get the helm, and we do meet, uh, I think everybody knows this, uh, Gwendolyn, what the fuck is her last name again? I'm so Christy. Christy. Gwendolyn Christy. Gwendolyn Christy, thank you. Uh, she plays uh, Brienne of Tarth in Game of Thrones, and also Captain Phasma in the, in the new Star Wars movies. <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's uh, right, she does. Uh, I think there was something else that I'd seen her in recently, but I can't remember. But <clears throat> anyhow, I I, I yeah. love her, and I hope she does get much more work. And uh, she is oh, great indeed. as a very uh, androgynous Lucifer. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like a lot of people were throwing shit about the the gender change. There was some gender changes in this. Yeah. Uh, well, there's this gender change, and then there was some diverse casting. You know, oh. Oh yeah, Joanna the, the yeah, that's yeah. right, Joanna the John, and then they made uh, the Walker family black, and yeah, you know, the, the people were complaining about you know the, a lot of people were like the casting's too woke, and Neil Gaiman came out and I applaud the man for this because Neil Gaiman came out, and he's like, when I was selling this novel in the nineties, it had to be the way I wrote it, yeah, you know, and he he dealt with a lot of issues in that he dealt with transsexual right. uh, uh, phobias, people like how they treated transsexuals, he dealt with homosexuality, yeah. like. He dealt with a lot of great issues, and I love him for it, because he did all he could back in the 90s. But as he said, he couldn't have that diverse of a cast and get it published. If he could have, these would have been the you know decisions yeah. he would have made. He would have made it much more diverse. Like he's That's one of his things that he's always said is like he wanted his work right. to be diverse, and I love him for that. Also, they did uh, cross Lucian, who is his librarian. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because then this they're played by Vivian Achimhal. Okay, I, 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 they made the character once again very androgynous, so I was not going to assume I had. I don't recall seeing this actor before on on pronouns. Rather. Right, and and I will say about uh about Gwendolyn Christie being Lucifer. I think it's hilarious that people were complaining about that because you know a lot of Christians don't seem to realize this, even though it's very much st- like put down in history angels are androgynous yeah they, they're very angels beautiful. don't look like male or female they look yeah like if you ever look at a renaissance painting the reason they all look so androgynous is because they're like you know it's a little typically if they're doing an angel they try to make it look very much like you can't tell if it's male or female and that's how it's supposed to fucking be yeah like that's that's how it's described in script that's how it's described in paintings and everything like 
I don't understand why people are flipping shit. I think Gwendolyn Christie did a great was, fucking yeah, job really as this girl. It was amazing. Uh, and uh, the yeah. the rap um, battle thing, uh, that was fun. It's not really a rap battle. It's like a, <laughs> a mind battle. But I remember it being... A, a poetry yeah, slam. It, it is in verse. Uh, but I remember when I was reading it that... Uh, I don't know. I remembered the other demon uh rhyming more as yeah, well on. i remember him rhyming as well yeah but i could be wrong yeah because that's a that's a very dc thing is that demons are are rhymers you know there's a good there's a class of demons who are all rhymers so every time they speak it has to be in a verse or in a in a rhythm yeah and so it's yeah i, I remember that with koranzan or how you pronounce that koranzan I, I like like i thought that too but the the game itself yeah <laughs> and the game itself is fascinating yeah. i love the idea it's like they start off small like it, in the, in the show it's lucifer versus sandman to reclaim his helm and uh you know um lucifer starts off with something very tiny i can't remember what it is but it's just like you know i'm a, I'm a mouse skittering through the grass and then like dream comes in and he's like i'm a snake who eats the rat yeah. or the mouse it's really and then good. like they they keep building on that until it just becomes epic proportions and like I, it's I a really good how they how they the portrayed it on show was really good yeah it, yeah I, I think I liked it better in the show than I liked it in the book I thought maybe it was kind of silly maybe when I read it in the book until the end part I thought it the feels end silly. part was good um, <clears throat> but the way they yeah. dramatized it was really good so right after he gets the helm back uh. It it leads to uh, John D at this diner, and that's where he eventually oh, yes. meets him. And I, I don't really want to give anything away about the diner, but I will say no. it's the a best bit episode. of a trigger warning for that episode. But it is really good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's my fa- it's one of my favorite issues of the whole sh- yeah, of the whole comic book series, and it was. By far my favorite episode of of this show, and of a lot of shows I've watched this year. Like we, uh, I've watched more shows this year than I have in a long time. My favorite episode was I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I didn't after after I think that episode's called Twenty Four Seven, and after that episode, I felt like the show uh, this first season of Sandman kind of fell apart a bit for me. I feel like Hmm. they should have split it up. They should have ended with Twenty Four. Well, actually, they should have ended with the next episode, which is. The conversation right. between Dream and Death, which I loved. Yeah, it's very good. But then after that, they should have they should have held off. They should have done Volume Two for a second season, because I don't know the pacing of the back half of the show. It is a, a little strange, it was pretty bad. But I think I appreciate them getting uh, a dollhouse, which is the second arc, out of the way. Yeah, because I feel That's like fair. the side characters in that arc. Are so much more important to the the rest of the story than <laughs> Rose true. Walker is. So I, I'm I'm yeah. happy that and, and you know if you're listening to this and you've seen the show and you haven't read the books and you're like oh really they're just gonna like dump Rose Walker? Well you know what they don't she's there but uh, <laughs> yeah yeah she has importance but it's not yet. <laughs> Lyda Hall I know yeah. it might surprise people. Uh, Rose Walker by the way played by Keo Ra yeah. And Lyda Hall is Razane Jamal. Thank you. Um, Lyda Hall becomes super important, important for the the ending of this series. 
Um, and, and I will say also, since we've I've taken the time to single those two out, they were also part of my problem with the back half. I felt like both of those two, like their, their chemistry me, didn't connect with me. Yeah. The way they acted off of the other people didn't work. Like it all, they just felt kind of wooden. Yeah, for me, I think it's all with Rose. Honestly, uh, I I, <laughs> yeah. I I thought. Um, aesthetically speaking, she was a very good choice for the the role, and I really love her hair yeah. and her costume design's pretty good too. Um, but yeah. I really thought that Kaya was kind of wooden, sadly. Yeah, and that's that's one thing is like the 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 role of Rose is like hard because she's described as being twenty one but looking like she's thirteen. Right. So like, I don't know how old Kiora is. She was at least. Uh, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, for that for that reason alone, though, like that is a good choice yeah. because she matches that description pretty well. If she is twenty one, she definitely looks like she's much younger, right. but at the same time has that adult sense of the world mm-hmm. like you know there there is a lot to her but i don't yeah just that the acting like it's not bad acting I, that's the I, thing like i don't want to i don't want to imply that she's doing bad but a lot of her scenes have to deal with you know she's talking over the phone yeah and that kind of like she seems true. like she's a young actor seems like maybe you know i have i haven't seen her in anything yeah, else uh doesn't even have a link on wikipedia I think, sadly honestly so, she like, just needed more experience for this role that i really do because like right. the, the even if you're just talking about the phone thing that takes experience to to figure out how to do that well yeah and, and even great actors struggle with that because there's sometimes they don't put anybody on the other end there's nobody running the lines with you right uh because they didn't want to pay somebody yeah. to do it <laughs> <laughs> or they're or they're just reading it off yeah. camera, which or like it's, uh, if it's you're not a even the actor, ca- it's hard to get yourself. Yeah, it's in not the... even the character they're talking to. Uh, it's just right. And if you're if you're a beginning actor, it's hard to get your you know your mindset mm-hmm. that the the line is coming from the phone that you're talking to that person. Right. Like you know, it's it, acting's fucking yeah. hard, man. Like, and then I'm not gonna. I don't want to crap on Kyo Ra. Is basically what I'm saying. Like, I I I think that she has great potential. Sure. It's just she didn't seem like she was directed well enough here. Maybe, like, maybe it definitely that's felt. It. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, she maybe needed a little bit more help. Uh, maybe some more rehearsal time, but you know that's once again that's money. People try to make yeah. this shit as cheap as they can, even though it's millions and millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my thing with my thing with Razane Jamal as Lida is like. I I struggle with seeing the character we saw there in the finale. Because, like, do you remember her mindset in the finale? Like, where how, you know, where she's at at the end of the story? Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't know, like, I I haven't seen it, so I can't say anything. But it just, it doesn't feel like a natural flow is going to happen. I will say that the, uh, when she has the flashbacks, I'll say, with her husband, um, uh, who I can't remember his name, but... Uh, Mr. Hall. They changed that up too. They did yeah, they change that, that up. up I wanted to mention that uh, he. Uh, they changed that up with Jed's story a little bit, if I recall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Rose is looking for her brother Jed, who's uh, they were 
Were they foster? I they, can't remember their so story specifically. This is the but. story uh, as I can remember it. Uh, Rose, Jed, their mom, uh, they wanted to leave their father's house because he was an explosive personality and they you know yeah. were afraid and uh he when they were about to leave decided that they could not take jed with him with them and so when yeah. they left they left jed and uh then something happened to their dad and jed disappeared uh somehow and i think maybe yeah. the dad had legal custody somehow or uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but he ended up in the foster system and uh, Jane's mom never stopped looking. But once she died uh, while Jane was at school, Jane then took up the cause to find her brother. But meanwhile, right. uh, the sleeping sickness ended. The sleeping sickness was caused by S- Dream's capture. There was a bunch of people all around yeah. the world who either couldn't fall asleep and died or fell into fell asleep and never woke up and they were stuck right. asleep. And Unity Kincaid <clears throat> uh, woke up uh, from her sleepy sickness and she's like 94 but still in very good health or something because, you know, she's just right. taken care of her whole life, I guess. Uh, well, all, she was probably taken pretty well care of because she is the inheritor of uh, Kincaid Sugar. Uh, Unity Kincaid, Ooh, by the Kincaid way, is played Sugar. by Sandra James Young. And uh, yeah. since we mentioned Jed, he's played by Eddie Karanga. Eddie Karanga. <clears throat> so it yeah. turns out. That Unity Kincaid, spoiler, is uh, their great-grandmother being Rose and Jed. So, she... Rose, yeah, she, has, she was raped while asleep. Yeah, this is, that is true. And they're not very specific about it in the show, which I appreciate. Like, you get it. Like, you understand. And, yeah. But they are a little more explicit in the book. And it's mostly like... Like yeah, yeah. I don't think they, they don't show anything, but it's some like there's a couple of no, lines no. that that definitely give you the idea that yeah, there's more happened. more focus on it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, she being Unity ends up <laughs> sponsoring Rose to find Jed and wants them to to live with them after they find her and yeah, uh, Jed ended up at. Uncle and Aunt What the Fuck's house. The violent, the husband's violent yes, as fuck. And, he sure is. Uh, Pro- maybe even worse than their dad. We don't know. We didn't see really his dad. Here it is Barnaby and Clarice, played by Sam Haz- Hazeldine and Lisa O'Hare. Thank you. And, and like, <clears throat> and Clarice is like, she just kind of like, she, she seems abuse, like she wants out of it. Yeah, she seems like she wants spouse. to help. She, yeah. Does not have control of the situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's sad. It is sad, and and you know you do feel for her uh, for his situation. Jed's that is he's reaching out through you know in the dreams he's been 
because uh, not only is is Dream trying to like in the first half he's trying right. to find his accoutrement, That's right? In the back half he's trying to find the escape nightmares because there's three nightmares that have also fled the realm, um, and he's trying to find them. And one of the nightmares had uh, attached itself to Jed, and another nightmare. I said nightmares. They're just Fiddler's Green is not a nightmare. Uh, uh, we'll three of the Arcana, but, uh, the other nightmare. Three of the major Arcana thank you. are missing. The <laughs> Fiddler Green, yes, uh, Geld, and uh, the Corinthian. The Corinthian. Oh, I love the Corinthian. Yes, so good. And the Corinthian also finds Jed. And uh, the Corinthians looking for Rose for specific reasons that we just don't yeah, have the time to get into get because into there's so much yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> we got to leave something for them anyways. But I got to say, the Corinthian, who is, uh, let me find that actor real fast here, Boyd Holbrook. Oh, my God. I haven't seen, uh, I can't remember. I've seen him in like one thing, Gone Girl maybe. Um, he's fucking phenomenal as a Corinthian and sexy as fuck too. Like, mm-hmm. great goddamn job playing the corinthian because he's he's eerie yeah he's uh just all around disturbing did you tell like, him that the thing about has... the corinthian is he always wears these glasses okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I... yeah he wears glasses and they're super reflective like you can't see anything behind them but when he takes them off it's tiny little mouths he's tiny, got tiny little, little mouths, teeth in his eyes teeth, uh, and for eyelashes and he's gonna eat your eyeballs that's what he likes to do <sighs> It's his M.O. Yeah, that's his M.O. I gotta say, that was one of the parts that I didn't care for in, in the show. The first time they showed it, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? You couldn't even tell. You couldn't tell what, what the fuck was going on. And it might just because uh. he has little eyes and they tried to make him the size of eye slits, but they should have just made him bigger. Right. They, like, I couldn't see it. They they, they should have focused more yeah. on it. Yeah. I, like it. I liked it being more of a disturbing like if you're paying attention kind of thing i think it made it creepier for me but yeah they should have had one shot the first shot should have been a close-up on those eyes i like it really should have been you know i watched most of the shit we watched with sarah and she was sitting next to me Mm -hmm. and i said here it comes here it comes and they take it off and (laughs) and she's like Okay, what happened? You build it up too much. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you build it up too well, much. That's the problem. You build it I up too much. I thought it was the reveal, Greg. <laughs> it was like it was like me with the Witches of Eastwick, where I was like, "Here comes the director. Here comes the director." <sighs> okay, and we'll wait a little longer. And it's like directed by George Miller, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." <laughs> and I was just like, "Yeah, would have been better if it was right off the bat." <laughs> That was really weird pause in the credits. So, yeah, uh, we did not Two talk minutes. about the, the interludes. Uh, just real quick, we got to talk. Uh, just I'm just going to mention Hob Gadlane, I think. Uh, give props to yeah. Fernand, uh, Fernand Kingsley uh, for playing him. Uh, also, you know, he plays a man who's Dream's friend and they meet every 100 years at this particular pub yeah and uh it's it's great it's it's one of my favorite stories it's so good and and tom sturridge also i thought i hadn't seen tom sturridge in anything but apparently i have apparently he was in that velvet buff soul movie we oh, watched yeah. i don't remember him who is he i don't yeah. remember him at all okay i don't know well okay i, I read the name and i was like i don't remember these names <laughs> the- <laughs> 
I don't remember anything. <laughs> so the last thing to talk about, I think, for closing statements is that Netflix done did surprise us and came out with an episode oh, yeah. last Friday out of nowhere. And like, you know, we were already ready to record. We could have recorded this before that. And right. we would have missed out. Yeah. It's another interlude episode. Uh, the, the, uh, the other interlude episode was cut in two as well with that conversation with his sister and, and Hob. Dream of a Thousand Cats slash Calliope. Uh, so Dream of a Thousand yeah. Cats is a great story. It, it really has... I don't know if I recall it having any actual bearing on this story. It's just a lovely little... Only when they bring, uh, I think, I think the the Egyptian goddess is Bastet, Bath, just Bath. I think it's B A T H, Bath. Uh, oh, Bath. But it's actually, I think you're right though. Let me look it up because it's a a dual goddess kind of thing. Like sometimes she's a cat, sometimes she's a lion, and the name is different. Right. So let's just look it up. But she's not yeah, actually in this, this this story. No, but uh, it, it is Bastet. I just I just found it. Cool. Or Bast. Sorry. In in the comics, in 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 the comics, it's Bast. You're okay. right. B a s t. Oh, okay. B a s t. Yeah, and that's that's the only <clears throat> that's the only time when when Dream of a Thousand Cats has any callback right. and. That I remember yeah. in the in the comics yeah. is when Bast, Bast comes into play. So it's a little short story, and they did it animated. And I thought maybe the whole episode would be animated, yeah. and, and maybe they were going to do like one animated episode, uh, a, a a turn right. or something. But really, they just didn't want to com- computer animate all those cats, so they computer paint animated them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there is this calling. For all cats, and you follow this kitten, yeah, going to this meeting with the cats, and the cat, uh, in I a don't, graveyard. yeah, in a graveyard, and I don't know if I really want to tell, like, get into what the cats talk about. Just know that there, ha- there's this great meeting no. of cats. So if you're interested in that, go check it's it a, out. It's a fun story. story, and know also that the owner, the male owner of the kitten that we're following, is voiced by David Tennant. That's where the that I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, "When was he in the show?" <laughs> I heard like immediately, like like creepily, uh, like I didn't even see his name, but like uh, when like I, she's like, "Paul, can you come look? Like, come look at the cute thing the kids doing." He's like, "Oh, they're so cute." I was like, "David," <laughs> I was just like, he, "He said he said like three words," and I was like, "Was that David?" And I immediately like, paused the episode so I could look it up. I was like, "I think that was David." You beautiful. Man. Apparently, his wife uh, Georgia Moffat did a voice as well. I sadly do not remember which voice she did. I think she did the voice of the um. Um, so they go visit, when they go to the graveyard, they see another cat who was telling them right. things. And that other cat tells of her backstory in which her kittens were, um, tossed into a river, right. sadly. I think Georgia Moffat, David Tennant's wife, was the female owner of that oh, cat. Okay. I think. I think. I'm not, not sure. sure. But. So, uh, <laughs> Calliope then has to do with the muse Calliope, which if you know your uh 
mythology, you know, actually, I don't know if it's an actual myth, but in, in, <laughs> in the books, Morpheus and Calliope are She's married. But I think, I think that is the part of the actual myth because Orpheus is, uh, a real character and they briefly mentioned right orpheus yeah, she's she's like a a granddaughter or a niece of zeus or she's something. a daughter of zeus well, i think the muses are all daughters yeah. of zeus and uh, uh yeah she 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 delivers you know she does she does what muses do she delivers uh the story energy to people yeah and sadly in yeah. this story she's uh under the she's imprisoned the, the, to do so we'll she's under the Thank you. In prison, I was trying to find the right word. What's that guy's name? Erasmus Fry. That's who oh, again? Yeah. Another Doctor Who re- uh, yep. uh, reference. Another Doctor Who casting. Derek Jacoby playing Erasmus Fry. Uh, he played the Master in a couple episodes of David Tennant's oh, that's era. That's right. But also another Doctor Who character. <laughs> that's true. Another <laughs> he one. Plays, yep. He's Erasmus Fry. Um. Uh, being, uh, what is it? Rick, what? What is it? Rick, what? Fuck. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Rick Maddock. Rick Maddock. Apparently, Neil Gaiman played a crow. <laughs> Did he not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rick Maddock is played by Arthur Darville, my favorite Doctor Who companion, Rory. Yep. Oh, I was so excited to see see Arthur Darville make an appearance. <laughs> it was something. You know, just the whole episode was a big fat surprise. And I was happy for it. Yeah. And if you know, this comes yeah, out on really Thursday. Good. If if there's another one on Friday, well fuck. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But you know, I, I will, I'm gonna gladly I will also watch say. it. <laughs> but I hope they yeah. hold out. I just I just also read on here that another voice in the the Thousand Cats was Michael Sheen, oh, really? uh, who plays opposite David Tennant and Good Omens. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. That's funny. Apparently, James McAvoy was in this as well. I... He played a golden-haired man. Huh. They did. They had a lot of voice cast. Sandra O oh was the prophet. Like, oh, man, man, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. That's pretty great. I bet that was kind of a pandemic fueled project. But but some other great cast members who are in this uh, that will surprise you would be um, Patton Oswald. Uh, he plays a raven named Matthew, oh, yeah. and also Stephen Fry uh, playing Gilbert. Yeah, and uh, Stephen Fry, another Doctor Who reference. Yep. Uh, he played whoosh, whoosh, a character in this, <laughs> yeah this whole season. This this whole show is all Doctor Who. I love it, man. And and Patton Oswald, I think, has also been in Doctor Who. I think he's done. Uh, oh yeah, he has to have. I think he has. Well, he's yeah. been in Parks and Rec. And he, it, <laughs> I just remember, I just <laughs> right. remember the episode Matthew, of Parks and Rec where they throw some guy named Stan in the river or something, or or maybe Dan. I don't remember. Geez. But it's hilarious. It was like it, it was because somebody <laughs> miswrote something. And now it's a law in the in this town in Indiana to throw this guy once a year into the lake. <laughs> Jesus, I like Ted. That. It was Ted yeah, because he, it was he, supposed it, to be T. Ted. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked uh, um, Pat Oswalt. It's a good choice for Matthew talking yeah, the the you know dreams talking Raven. Dream always has to have a Raven, and this is his new one. 
And and uh, Matthew has one of my favorite story arcs throughout the whole comics. Like I love how Neil Gaiman builds Matthew's character. So it's so wonderful yeah. how he how he just becomes a good he, friend. He's a, he's he's a new Raven. Right. Once once Dream uh, breaks free, once he is you know no longer bound by that uh, mortal, he uh, you know he in the show he just gets this new Raven. You know he's like you have to have a Raven. Here he is. Like it's Matthew. Was. <laughs> His other raven's name Jacosta. Uh, I, th- I think so, something like that. Because if it was, then it's the same name as Elsie's roommate in Last Night in Soho. Or <laughs> that's Eloise. right. <laughs> Eloise, that's what it was, not Elsie. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Can't remember. That's hilarious. They didn't have a voice actor, so they're probably not going to be on the cast list. Anyhow, we should probably do. Closing statements. And, uh, yeah. Indeed. I fucking loved it. It is probably one of the most loyal adaptations I have ever seen in my life. And I just don't understand why they don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can get a Typically, you just don't have the creator involved. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. This is true. You just, you tip. And because of that, like, you know, producers are only interested in making profit. That's it. So a lot of times when you're adapting something, you're like, let's shelve all the storytelling bullshit and find the action because today's audiences don't give a damn about art. They just want action. They want to be entertained. And there is plenty of... Yeah, a lot of uh, it gets just shelved. Action, art, and entertainment in this, this series. And, and yeah, so please, please, people, keep watching. That's right. If you guys think, if you guys have, uh, if you listen to this and are like, oh, I don't have to watch the show. I just watch, listen to those guys prattle on about it for an hour and a half or however long they've been going on. I know everything there is to know about this <laughs> series, book form or not. No, you well, don't. you don't because there's so much fucking shit that we could not mention. And they somehow cram it all yeah. into, what is it? Yeah, 10 episodes, 11 episodes if you count the new one. It's fucking crazy. Right. Yeah, and and, and there's like still five more seasons yeah, to go. You know, is. like if they're going to do two volumes, uh, two volumes a season, yeah. then like they got so much more to tell. And I really, really hope they finish it. I yes. hope they see it through I because I enjoyed it. I don't, <clears throat> it's not perfect. It's not perfect for me. Sure. They got a lot of the casting right. I, you know, again, Mason Alexander Park is... God damn, perfect as desire. Yeah, I just I've immediately fallen in love with them. I'm following them on like all the social media. Like, God, they're amazing. Uh, and like all the casting is good. You know, David Thewlis as John D. Even though he's just like a supporting character for the first half, like, yeah, brilliant, did an amazing job. All the the endless, they did a good job. Tom Sturridge as Dream, pretty good. Uh, I, <laughs> like, like I really it. liked his Dream. Yeah. It feels like Dream. It does. He's a little too emotional for me. A little broody. There's many. There's way too many moments where he smiles, and I'm just like, "Why are you smiling right, right now? You're not right. supposed to smile until like yeah, volume six. Yeah. I, I feel like, like <laughs> I feel like they did a thing where they thought there is a slight <clears throat> chance that Netflix decides not to, you know, option us forward, and so they wanted to have him have a decent character arc. Uh, go from a dark place yeah. to a happy place so that uh, so that it could right. feel a little bit finished if Netflix gave them the axe. Uh, that's what I felt was going mm-hmm. on there. But I had the same reaction to it. 
because he takes yeah. a long time to change and he is angry for a long time after he is released. <laughs> yeah, he's he's but I, yeah. I say you're a really emotionally escapes. broody individual in the comics. Yeah. Like yeah. nonstop. And that was another thing I loved about the comics. It's very emo. But uh like the loyalty very to the gosh. story, the casting yeah. choices, I really enjoyed a lot of this first season. But I, the pacing in the back half was just bad at times. Like there are some really mo- moments where it was just dragging during the LaRose Walker story. The acting was, you know, again, as I mentioned, a little lost. But my biggest issue, and I know that this is just a very big nitpick, but this is what keeps it from getting a perfect score. Because even regarding the bad pacing and the occasional, like, off acting, I still would have given it the perfect score. But I'm not giving it the perfect score because the aesthetic of the endless. So, like, in the in the comics, yeah. Dream, Death, they are per- portrayed as being very devoid of color. They are, like, the palest of pale beings possible. I don't mind at all that they cast a black actor as Death. That's perfectly yeah, fine. Face you know, Death weird. is supposed to be able to walk among us. Yeah. Like, Death... death even as the extremely pale emo version in the comic books that you can still right. see that person walking amongst you dream on the other hand, doesn't walk amongst humans and he, he should not look like he can walk amongst humans easily because when he's among humans, he should stand out and look very, very awkward and off putting Tom Sturridge does not look <laughs> off awkward and off putting like they tried it. They did. They did right. try. They, they did like, white, like made him paler and everything. Wow. Yeah, and I get that. I totally understand. I know I'm being an extreme ass and nitpicking on it. For but half like, a there's star, one moment in particular. I feel like. <laughs> for half a yeah, for half a star. I am. I know I am. But the the reason for that is there's one moment in particular that felt extremely fucking goofy because it did not have the aesthetic, and that was there's a moment where um where Sandman is larger than life. Mm-hmm. And he's holding a character in the palm of his hand. Yeah. In the comics, that image sticks with me. Mm-hmm. It's so eerie, so beautiful. Like, it's really awesome. Yeah. And in the, in the show, it looks ridiculous because you have gigantic discount Robert Pattinson holding a dude <laughs> in his hand. And he's to smiling, him. too. He's better it. than that. Don't call him discount. He is better than that. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's Tom Sturridge. Tom Sturridge, though, larger than life. But he's also smiling in that scene, and it just looks goofy as fuck all. Like, that image also sticks with me. I can remember both images. Like, I don't actually visually see them, but I, I, you know, I can picture those images. And one looks goofy as fuck. One looks beautiful and majestic. And the goofy as fuck one is the one that's in the show, and it's, it's missing that aesthetic. So is so is despair. Despair is also missing the aesthetic. Because I agree without, a little bit because despair more. was also bleached. Yeah, yeah. In the in the in the comics, despair is very bleached white. Also, yeah. just like dream and and death. And so and, is dis- desire know, a little bit, but it's only those desire. Four. Yeah, like yeah, because yeah, yeah. Delirium is colorful and and. Uh, Destiny is just like a, a normal dude in yeah. a brown tunic. And honestly, like, so yeah. is destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Destruction kind of just looks like uh, old DC Comics version of Thor. Like he's yeah. a 
big broad dude with a big bushy red beard like (laughs) thor's also in the comics too that's hilarious he He does about look the same bigger (laughs) yeah and and despair i don't know why i feel like despair would have worked i feel like they could have still done that with despair yeah i don't have worked fine i feel like i respect the choice to not make the character nude you know perhaps Whoever would be casted would not be comfortable yeah, with that. I understand that's fine. that. Yeah, but, but like, they were in bleach there. They like, were not, not they actually were in bleach jeans skin, and, a, but, and a turtleneck though, and that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird. But I, I didn't, it just, yeah, I didn't it mind wrong. it so much. I, I just, I want to see more of what that actor's going to do. I did not catch their name. Like you can make them clothe, but make them wearing like the penguins like outfit from batman uh batman returns like make her her wear that that would honestly work (laughs) that would work pretty well yeah and then and then bleach her skin as well not not actually bleach her skin like what they did with uh with sturge sturge what the fuck is his name yeah tom sturge Sturge. thanks but like yeah they should have they should have tried it like I, i think for despair at least i think it would have worked fine but you know, of all of the of all the endless that we see, the perfect casting was Mason Alexander Park because yeah, I'm obsessed with that. It, That's it fucking was, great. It's really good. Um, and, and you know, I I yeah, their think, desire is fucking top notch. <laughs> I think given that Neil Gaiman himself it, it said, "I we tried it and it did not translate." I am happy with yeah. with the majority. I think. Despair might be the exception, but I want to see what they do more with that aesthetic to make it work. <clears throat> right. With Desire, there, 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 excuse me, with Dream, there is one moment. There's this one moment that you get that comic book feel look where he's in the shadows. And I wish yeah. they just would have done more of that. Like, like you said, that one scene where he gets b- mm-hmm. big. When he was growing, they could have slowly turned him into that character, and it would have even yeah. felt like yeah. that power that he was supposed to be gaining at that moment. But like it would give us that more. I think. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It just yeah. could have been in um, more total agreement. Just, total just agreement. I like what he looks like. I like the the look they gave for Dream personally. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think if they would have sprinkled that in a little bit more, it would have given him more of an off-putting feel. And he is kind of off-putting in the comics. Yeah, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be like, you know, if you if you were to come across Dream, you're supposed to be a little weirded out by him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like something's wrong with that one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Joanna thinks that she's being stalked when he first shows up. She's like, oh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, you again. Okay, okay, cool. You're in my apartment. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> no yeah i i loved everything about this first season though it's really fucking fabulous i hope they are able to you know fulfill the entirety of the story we'll find out they definitely laid all the all the stepping stones they needed to though including william shakespeare surprisingly that's right somehow laid the william shakespeare stepping stone they did lay it in there and that is a fun little side story that goes on so i'm excited to see it yeah I don't want to mention so that's, it. That's the show. I'm Go watch this. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's been our show. Sure uh, you know, definitely, definitely check out the Sandman on Netflix. It's, it's worth your while. 100%. And then, uh, you know, if you, if you like that 
buy all 12 volumes of the comic book it's and worth read those it. because you'll like those a whole lot more. It's worth it. It's so worth it. My I favorite. don't know about a whole lot it's more. Up there. there are some people who prefer visual medium over reading. I know there's a visual part of comic books, right. but uh, and I guess yeah. you read, it's all visual, but whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. But no, like, uh, of all books, of everything I own, The Sandman's my favorite. Like, probably hands wow. down. Like, I've read it more than any other book I've ever read. That's fair. And, you know, it's just, it's fucking fina- fabulous. Wow. It is pretty fucking So great. that's it. Go watch yeah. it. I'm the Green Traveler from Gorsh. Thanks for listening, guys. And I am the face of Sloan. I think just right now, retroactively, I'm deciding we're going to call this a deep dive. Safe travels (laughs) and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. Are you a fan of the show? Feel free to contact us at greenandfacelessfans at gmail.com or visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. Don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe or rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.